You're listening to the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, Bree. People can say my name and I still don't pay attention. Chris. This is what happens when your number one health concern in the state is porn. Jeremy. Flicks it and then walks out and just kicks the living crap out of whoever. And Julia. This week on Julia does everything that's embarrassing. Holy shit, Julia's here this week. It's I'm actually amazing. here, yay! Um, episode 357 of the New Utah Podcast. Um, this is... Um, it's another Utah Adventure Week. It's the last episode of the month. I hope everyone's excited for the adventures. Can't believe March is over. Yeah. It still fast. feels like 2021. I'll be totally what, honest. Like 2021? <laughs> still feels like it. I think it still feels like it to you because you'll say that just happened a couple of years ago. And I'll say, no, it happened like a couple of years before COVID. Oh, so it happened BC before COVID? Pretty much. <laughs> Or PP. Well, and I was saying something about three years, and he was like, no, it's only been a couple of years. I'm like, no, COVID, 2020, March 2020. My, my flagpole. 2023. I'm like, oh, I haven't. Th- this is probably about three years old. She's like, oh, no, that's much older. So it's about time to get a new flagpole. Um, hey, speaking of flagpole, should we just jump into it? Do we have any? We're not. Look, I don't want to break the barrier, but I'm going to break the barrier. We're recording this shit early because... There are because vacation times. Go- yeah, we're going on vacation. Jeremy's Jeremy's going on vacation. We're going on vacation. I'll be gone too. Julia, work trip same week. Julia's going to be gone for a we'll work trip. Work and like, there's just for a few weeks the schedule's all weird. So we're doing some pre-recordings, but they're good. But our normal like what what happened this week and check in shit. I can't tell you. It's in the future. I don't know. <laughs> So we're going to talk, we're just going to jump into it. It's probably going to be a relatively short episode, or maybe not, because I love the topic that we're we're going deep on today. Um, but uh, Balls deep. Literally. Yeah, <laughs> You're literally going balls deep on I, this. I doubt I'm going to put my balls in anything. Um, there are balls involved, though, so you're right. There's there's some deep, deep balls. Yep. Balls deep with RSL. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, hold on. <laughs> that may be a show title. <clears throat> I don't know if I can put that. Um, B-A-L-L-Z. Um, no, that's stupid. I just don't know if I can say balls deep with RSL and actually have a good show title that people will click oh, on. Oh, gotcha. It's, just I, call it balls deep. No, that's the part that I... That's the part that's an issue. Like... Show, putting That's a show true. title as Balls Deep is... Everyone's going to click it. No. Oh. There will be a lot of people that straight up will just choose not to click it as a result oh. of that title. You have, I mean, the titles have to be like somewhat catchy, like Pumpkin-Headed Butthole. Still one of our... It is... I think the title alone gets more clicks. It is the most clicked episode. And it wasn't even that great. No, I thought it was just a subpar episode, but the title... The title is great. So I'm on the lookout for good titles. Uh, so anyway, it's Utah Adventure Week. And for our adventure in the month of March, you know, we were really talking about what we could do. Um, and I've, I had been talking it up leading into it, but as you all know, I am a gigantic soccer fan, as is my wife, Bree. She doesn't like to admit it, but I'm going to tell you a little story about when I knew about Jack and Diane. Uh, when I knew Bree was truly a soccer fan. And not just an RSL fan and not just coming to games to be along the ride with me. So we went out to eat this one time. I don't even remember when it was. This was years ago. We went out to eat uh, at a little local place that is no more. They have closed their doors. Um, El Rancho Grande, uh, which is a little Mexican restaurant in Kearns that um, I don't know, they recently closed, like this last year. 
Yeah, I think just before the end of the year. Yeah. It was one of those good little dive Mexican places. Yeah, just a good little place. Um, so anyway, we're in there eating in like the, like the, the back room and like, she's not paying attention to me at all. She's looking up and she's like, Oh yeah. Hit it. And I'm, I turn around and I look and it's like third division Thai soccer on the TV <laughs> and she's fucking cheering a team. She has no idea who these teams are. <clears throat> it is definitely not any sort of like premier European division. It looks like probably like second or third division, like the kind of soccer that only exists for people to do illegal betting on. And she's cheering for the stuff that's going on. How do you know I don't have a gambling problem? I I bet on it. I mean, I know you pretty well. I think I would know if you had a. It's actually pretty hard to bet on soccer. A sports betting problem. I think you had soccer on a dirt field. Yeah, it was one of those. So I was like, okay, chickens running across the field. This is how I know she's not just an RSL fan. She is a soccer fan. She likes to watch soccer. When I turn on soccer, if it's like a Premier League game or a Bundesliga game on a Saturday. She'll watch it. And, and then she, she won't watch Napoleon Dynamite. I find that so Because odd. Napoleon Dynamite's <laughs> stupid. To be fair, she did watch that. I will say one other thing. We can continue to talk a little bit of bullshit. I was surprised, so I decided to try and watch last night because our daughter, Sean, was was uh, with us um, eating dinner, and she likes dumb shit like I do. Like She likes all the crappy parody shows. Um, but uh, Mel Brooks, I don't know if you know that he's released History of the World Part 2 on Hulu. <laughs> I think yep. it's, on, it's on Hulu, right? Yeah. Uh, so we, I decided, let's watch that. And Bree's like, I think I watched the first one. I'm like, well, it was like 40 years ago, so you probably did. It was good. Um, this one follows right in suit, but uh, different stories. Um, and all new actors, obviously. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. It was pretty good. And the thing is, I think to really enjoy that show, you need to know history. Right. Because there are so many references to like just small bits and pieces of things that happen in history that are hilarious. And if you don't know history, if you don't know like a lot of that stuff, you're not going to get most of the jokes. And it's just going to be kind of a dry. Like dry when the Titanic story. came out and people were upset that the that people were talking about how it sank. Yeah. Hey, you're giving it away. <laughs> New history. There's no, no. no. It's, it, it went down. Like, that's why it's so that's famous. The whole point. <laughs> you didn't tell me that there was going to be a crash in the 9-11 movie. So for our Utah adventure uh, this month, we went to uh, the RSL home opener against uh, Austin FC. Um, and uh, I'm a little disappointed because we did not win. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the game by now, you probably... Know your history, gosh. You, pro- <laughs> you probably aren't going to watch it. Uh, RSL lost 2-1 to Austin. I don't know what our game situation is since then, although uh, I do know that last week uh, we had a bye. Um, well, like not last weekend, but the weekend before that. We had a bye. Uh, in Seattle. So, no, we had a bye. Don't you know what a bye is? I do not. That means we didn't play anyone. We it had means a week that off. there wasn't a matchup, and so they... We took off a week. Bypass? Is that that's short? Yep, bypassing competition. Gotcha. Um, I think it's spelled game, B-Y-E. So though. prior to that game, we had played Vancouver and Seattle. We had won in Vancouver, lost in Seattle, which isn't... I mean, three points from two away games is pretty good, but to lose three points at home and to, to get zero out of that game is pretty rough. Um, but let's take a step back. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to let Jeremy... Give us history. Do we want to do RSL history, or do we want to step back even farther and talk about the beer competition? Well, RSL history is further back than the beer competition, so we'll start with RSL history, then we'll talk about the game. Okay, cool. So this is brief history, and 
since you guys know way more than I do, feel free to step in at any time. I always do. Uh, so I didn't have to research this one. <laughs> that's true. You probably well. That's what I thought as I was looking at. It. I'm like, I'm not sure why I'm looking stuff up. I'm sure Chris knows this all, but that's okay because this is your this is your thing. Plus, some of it is nice to have like dates and right. stuff because he's like, I think it happened around, or maybe it happened right. So, um, July 14th, 2004, Real Salt Lake became the 12th MLS franchise. How many are there now? Is have any come on since then? We have lost uh, a few MLS franchises. I don't think we've only lost one. I think since RSL got into the league, so Chivas, right? Yeah, Chivas USA. The the league stripped Chivas USA of its franchise. It just dissolved um, and dissolved the team. So MLS. I'm going to take a step back and explain MLS for everyone. So Major League Soccer, unlike many other sports leagues. So Major League Soccer comes into the U.S. in uh, a, a sea of other major sports that they have to compete with. So outside of the U.S., soccer is the biggest sport in the world. Hands Period. Down. Hands down. It's not Best even athletes, close. athletes, everything. In any other country, our athletes like LeBron James would be playing soccer. LeBron James. Like that, they would be playing soccer. They wouldn't be playing basketball. Um, so to yeah. have a league start that's going to be a top-tier professional league um, in an environment where you have NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, National Hockey League. Um, there's one other, right? What's the other? There's five majors. Hockey, football, hockey, baseball. Basketball. Um, basketball. Is there not? So is um, soccer, soccer be like the fifth? Soccer is the fifth. But you're competing with the other four that have a long-standing history, right. massive amounts of money, TV contracts, all that stuff. So when the league was formed, Major League Soccer said, okay, this – similar to other professional leagues in the U.S., you all are franchises of this league. However, unlike other leagues in the U.S., uh, Major League Soccer said – the players will get paid by the league, not by the team. Because if the team folds, those players need to know they still have a job. Right. The people that are, you know, employed by that team need to understand that Major League Soccer can still potentially have a home for them. So kind of like the FDIC with a bank. Uh, yeah, sort of. So there's some interesting rules, uh, when it comes to that stuff. So. Soccer is an international sport, which means players are traded and teams own their rights in different countries. It's not like in the NFL where a player like Dallas decides what the hell they want to do with their player and they can trade it to another team in the NFL. N not in soccer. In Major League Soccer, if you want to trade a, a player, the league has to sign off on it. If you want to trade a player internationally or to a different team that's not in the league, they have to sign off on it. And that means they have to agree that the deal's good enough. Or they can say, no, that deal's not good enough for that player. We Does need the player have any say? Fuck no, dude. Okay. So the player... <laughs> They're just pawns. They do have some say, right? Like their agents and stuff come into play. But realistically, um, I mean, honestly, like if they're going to be... Like, if, if the player says, I'm not going to play for them, I don't want to play for them, no team wants a player that doesn't want to be there. But in the grand scheme of things, the team's going to sell you if you're worth money. And, you know... So anyway, there's a bunch of stuff that goes on with that, but Major League Soccer maintains the right to the teams uh, and to the franchise license. Even though the ownership groups are buying into the franchise and paying fees, the the league still owns the team. I think they even have like a minimum like pay and all of that. Kind of yeah, stuff. Oh, no, there's a salary, and we so have a salary cap. Sounds like league. it's similar to other franchises, like 
if you get a Beans and Brews franchise, no matter what you do, Beans and Brews still owns it. And ultimately, they could, if you're running yeah. that franchise like shit, they can kick you out. They can step it exactly, which has happened in the case of RSL, which we'll probably yeah. get to. But I'll, I'll I'll let you. Okay, so anyway, RSL comes into the league. Um, do you have anything about why uh, Salt Lake was chosen? No, go ahead. Okay, so. The key reason, um, so when Real Salt Lake came into the league, 2014 was when we got into the league. 2015 was our inaugural season. 2005. Um, 2000, sorry, I don't know why I'm saying okay. 2014. 2004 we get in. 2005 is the inaugural season. Sorry, everything was just a couple years ago. COVID. Yeah, just, just a couple years ago. COVID wrecked me. So Quite proven. <laughs> um, RSL entered, and at that time, so the league was entering in like two teams at a time when they would expand, they would add two teams so that the number of teams stayed even. Um, Major League Soccer is a little different than the rest of the world. We don't have a relegation system, um, which we can talk about if people want. But um, so we came in when Columbus came in. One of the reasons. The Sa- Columbus crew. The Columbus crew. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons Salt Lake uh, was chosen because there's a whole bunch of places that want professional soccer teams. Yeah. And it's expanded dramatically, um, since then. But one of the reasons that Salt Lake was chosen, probably the biggest reason is we have one of the highest per capita youth soccer programs in the country. Every kid plays soccer in this state. We have big intramural competitions. True. We have, we have big, just like intramural adults playing soccer, we have tons of youth soccer. We have a whole bunch of driving around any Saturday in the spring and summer. Yeah, and soccer is interesting because it's not like high, most sports where high school kind of dominates. Soccer is more akin to how baseball works, where there's a whole bunch of leagues right. that have nothing to do with high school. And high school is a weird like interjection, and so is college. That's not usually how soccer players develop. Like that's one path, but for the most part, you play for competitive teams, and then like comp teams are their own like weird entity so salt lake was chosen because of that big participation and community involvement which basically says hey you've got a base of soccer fans it's going to be a sport that can be supported by the community it's not going to go into a community that doesn't give a shit about soccer right so that's why salt lake that was a really big reason why salt lake was chosen and dave checkets uh who is one of the original owners of salt lake uh, real salt lake was very instrumental in that stuff happening um, because he also is, I believe he's the one that brought the jazz to, to Utah, um, but he was definitely involved in the jazz. Uh, let's see. Co-owner of Philadelphia 76ers, mm-hmm. Crystal Palace, Utah Jazz, and Utah Jazz. So, yes. And Crystal Palace, by the way, is a premiership team in England, a uh, soccer team. So he's yeah, he's involved with all of that. So. Uh, RSL's first game, April 25th, 2005, against New York Metro Stars. They don't exist anymore. Um, New York Metro Stars is a USL team. Uh, at, at the Giant Stadium, which they lost. <clears throat> Their first season was a tad disappointing. However, that was really disappointing. They did break the record for 557 scoreless minutes. They beat the, <laughs> the all time record. <laughs> Their first season. So they did come out. Breaking record. I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> the first season record was five twenty-two and five. <laughs> yeah, it's not our, our first few seasons were really terrible, and we were playing at Rice Eccles Stadium because there right. was a whole thing. We wanted a stadium downtown. Salt Lake wouldn't do it. That's when they eventually settled on Sandy. I think it was a genius move. 
The stadium is fantastic out there. It's centrally located. That's a nice thing. It's in the middle of the valley. Uh, it's not in the middle of the valley. 90th South is on the south end of the valley, Jeremy. The wow. middle of the valley is where I am seeing. Well, when you live in Harriman, Riverton, <laughs> and you only ever go as far north as Salt Lake, that is the middle for Dad. Again, though. It's the middle of his world. You are 30 blocks from that. Downtown is 90 blocks from that. True. So just kind of keep that in perspective. It's two-thirds or half the distance, I guess, from downtown. But the reason that stadium placement is really genius is Utah County. Yeah. There are a ton of soccer people. I would say in, there's probably more in Utah County. In Utah County. And it's pretty close to Point of the Mountain and right off the freeway, which means it's roughly the same amount of time for someone to drive from, say, Orem as it is from maybe Bountiful. Yeah. And so it's pretty easy to get there. Uh, on the freeway there. And we have a lot of, I mean, Bree's sister is, uh, a season ticket holder and they live down in fucking Orm Provo. Yeah. No, they live in Linden. They live in, um, that weird new vineyard or by vineyard. Linden. Vineyard is where their mom lives. They live up in Linden. You are correct. So 2006, second season, not great, but they did break another record. The longest yeah. winless streak Dude, in MLS history. Stop being an asshole with these records. <laughs> 18 consecutive losses. We also held for a while the record for most home wins. In it is. It's true. Um, it's true. So that so, that was beaten a couple years ago by Houston. So second that. season, 10-13-9. Better than 5-22. Who scored the first goal for Real Salt Lake? Um, I have it, but you probably know. You're looking for it? It's Brian yeah. Dunseth. Yeah. And there's a famous. He's our he's our favorite announcer now. There's a famous uh, flag planting that he did. He's a defender, by the way. He's a center back by trade, or was. He's a, a common commentator now, um, and he's one of the best in the league, I think. And he's thankfully was picked up by Apple TV. Sadly, not commentating for Real Salt Lake games, but Apple TV's trying to figure out their shit, and they're not doing a great job on the commentary side, I don't think. But their 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 video is great. But that's neither here nor there when you go to a home game. Um, so yeah, anyway, keep going. So, uh, 2007, slightly better year, six, 15, and nine, mm-hmm. but I didn't break any records that oh, year. Oh, and FYI, people, the reason he's giving three numbers is so you can tie in soccer. I, I, I know we've talked about it, but you can tie in soccer. So, yeah, so he's wins, counting wins, losses, losses and ties. ties. <clears throat> 2008, though, we start to see a turnaround. So that's uh, a few years in, but they actually, I mean, a turnaround is, well, we did, I mean, we were. They okay. stopped breaking losing records. This, yeah. Well, and in 2008, they also move into the new stadium. Yes, correct. Which so changes a lot of things for the team. It gives them an actual home base, a place to call home. Yeah, I, really. 2009 is when the stadium's like first year of stadium. That was the first year I had season tickets uh, in the new stadium. <clears throat> Good year to be a fan for RSL because in 2009. We slide, skid yeah. into the playoffs in the last place spot that we can. So, 2008, we, we do did, that a lot. 2008, we made it to the playoffs, like cut off right after, but we actually made it 10, 10, 10 season yeah. for 2008. 2009, we skid into the playoffs. I'm going to talk a little bit about this, this season. We skid into the playoffs. The playoff format is, it's changed so many times. Like, I think even in the last like 20 years, that playoff format has changed dramatically. So, well, and they won the last spot due to a tiebreaker. Yep, due to a tiebreaker. Um, very memorable. But that was the year that we make it all the way to MLS Cup. MLS Cup at that at that point in time was held in a neutral stadium or in 
It was a predetermined stadium, not necessarily neutral. So we were up in Seattle, uh, and we won the cup on penalty kicks, and it was it was glorious. It was great to see this team, a small market team, coming in last into the playoffs, like kind of just skidding in barely, barely making it, and then just proving everyone wrong and winning MLS Cup. And that was the start of probably the best team RSL had, like that run. The, the, the players, it was coached by Jason Christ, who was a former RSL player, one of the original players on the team. Um, that team continued the next year. So CONCACAF Champions League um, was uh, – it's that format changed a bit too. But basically that tournament, which is the champions from the previous year and in, in all over CONCACAF, so in Costa Rica, Mexico, the United States, a whole I bunch of I was going to say, because of that win, we qualified – Yep, so winning MLS Cup qualifies you for CONCACAF. There's like four ways to qualify, but that's the way we did it. Um, so we go deep in that tournament. And by deep, I mean we make it to the finals. So we are in, and this is, no no MLS team has made it into the finals of CONCACAF up to that point in the modern format. There's a really old format, like early days that, MLS, that uh, LA Galaxy made it, and I think even won, but it was a much different like tournament back then. This is a more serious tournament against more serious leagues and teams. And we got to the final. We were playing Monterey. The I have I, still in all of the the many 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 games, hundreds of games I've been to. I don't know that I've been in a stadium that has a similar atmosphere ever. And I've been to a lot of pro sporting events and a lot of college events, and that was one of the craziest events I've ever been privy to to sit in on. And it was it was amazing. It was a really good game. Um, the the canvas that i have in my office oh yeah mm-hmm. that's from that game and the the team had aerial shots that they took of that and then gave out as, as season ticket holder gifts one year um it was really good um unfortunately we lost uh the so it was a home and away series and away goals counted for more and we ended up losing um to monterey um in the aggregate uh it was it was rough for sure um but it was i mean it was a great run so 2010, only five years in, we now break the record for 25 games unbeaten. So that's when they start calling the riot. Um, so this was the this was the, the run. Fortress. This was the run, and that's the same year as the run at Concacaf because, um, you know, it, it was. Re- I mean, they they halfway through the season started making ads. We did not lose at home. Right. Like teams hated coming here. They would come here and just completely play defensively. We were so loud. Hoping for a 0-0 tie and almost never getting it. I mean, we won so many games, but we never gave up uh, a loss. We hardly ever gave up goals. So that year, 15-4-11. Uh, yeah. Um, so I do want to talk about 2009-2010 time frame because there's another important thing that happened with RSL. So in 2009, RSL was really struggling financially. And Deloitte Hansen comes in and buys a minority stake in the club in 2009 purely to help backstop the group and kind of keep it in place. So originally it's it's just slightly less than, less than half the club. It's 49%. Uh, and then um, – so, he, he kept the club alive. The club probably would have collapsed had he not infused 
uh, infused it with all that cash. And then in, uh, I think it was 2012 that he increased his ownership. 13. Um, um, 2013, check it, sold his stake to... Yeah, Deloitte so Hansen. but in 2012, Deloitte Hansen became the majority owner. So he moved from 49 to 62%, and it was basically him and check it. And then, yeah, in 2013, check it, sold all his shares and passed it all to Deloitte Hansen. So those are some important things because that's, a, that's the first real big ownership change in RSL history where Deloitte Hansen goes from just being the back-end money guy to being the guy. That's it. So 2013 to 2020 is known as the Hansen ownership, and he also starts the new academy. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that starts happening at this point. And he brings the royals in. That was towards the end. Imagine Um, having so much money that you can just own a sports team. Well, oh, so my hobby. Oh, I just collect sports players. It's interesting to know. Do you have what uh, RSL's initial expansion fee was? Uh, it's not listed in this. Um, hold you on. can keep going on what you were saying, though. Um, yeah, keep going with the season with 2010. Okay. So, let's see. 2010, our stats. 2010 stats. Who has to reference back? It's like a, an article that references... It's gotcha. super sophisticated. Fifteen, eleven, eight. So still decent. Yeah. Still decent. Uh, coming into 20... 20... Keep in mind, well, so in soccer, wins and um, wins and losses all count kind of normal during the season. But when, when you get to the end, to kind of avoid ties for other teams that have maybe the same record as you do... Um, Away wins are worth more in aggregate than home wins. So then 2013, 16, 10, 8, so very similar. So there's two or three years where they're pretty much on the same plane. This is still where we have Beckerman. We still have Ramondo. We still have We have Javi. everyone. 2013, and this is Jason Christ yeah. last year. We still have now, Javi. Yeah. There's an interesting thing that happens in this year. Jason Christ's contract is up. Now, this is a guy that took the team to a championship, to a championship in CONCACAF Champions League, which no other MLS team ever got that far. Like, it was a huge deal for RSL to get there. Had winning seasons for several years, takes them back to the cup in 2013. Like, they're having a great season. It wasn't a slide into the playoffs year. And Deloy Hansen lowballs Jason Kreiss on a fucking contract. Now, this is a year where we know New York's getting a second team and they're in talks with, with Manchester City, one of the biggest football clubs in the world, about owning an MLS franchise. Um, and Jason Kreiss basically is in it the last year of his contract and doesn't have another year locked down, doesn't have his contract locked down because Deloy Hansen gives him a shit low offer to start. And so he says, all right, fuck off. I'll look around. We know he's looking around. He's still coaching, takes us to the MLS playoffs. We still lose. does it a fantastic job as a coach. Doesn't suck. We lose to Kansas City uh, in the craziest game that there's a lot of stuff. We probably shouldn't now we have lost. F-U-K-C. Um, you know, it, it, we probably shouldn't have lost that year. But uh, whatever, that's fine. Like, the game is the game. Christ leaves. And now we're in a spot where Jason Christ is gone. Now we're going to this promote next man up bullshit, which has basically been how we've gotten our coaches for the last several coaches. So now we get 
uh, Jeff Kassar, the team's still in place from Jason Christ. So Kassar has a couple of seasons that are pretty good. But the team starts to kind of fall apart. He's losing the locker room. Um, Mike Petke gets brought in to coach the Monarchs, uh, which is the USL team that RSL now owns. Um, so during this time, I don't want to shit talk Deloy Hansen a ton. I will because I think he's a piece of shit. But he did a lot for the club. So he built the academy. So RSL's always had an academy down in Arizona, but he built one of the best training facilities and academies up in Harriman. We had Barcelona come out here. I think we had Manchester United come out here and see the training facility and, and train out there. Were just in and they're awe. like, these are amazing facilities. These are some of the best facilities we've ever been in. Have you ever been out there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you're talking like Manchester United, one of the biggest football clubs, if not the biggest football club in the world, saying our facility is amazing. So that's big props to him. So he brings in, uh, creates the, the, um, the, the Monarchs, which is our USL team, which is basically our lower division team that we can send guys to to recover from injury and get game time. Um, he gets it. We'll get into the expansion into women's soccer in a second. I wanted to give you some comparisons. Uh, in terms of expansion prices. So back in 2005, when RSL became a club franchise, $7.5 million was what it cost. So when you talk about being super rich, Julia, $7.5 million to own a franchise. In not, 2005. Not a I was about to say, fee. that's not that much. No, not a huge fee. But I want to tell you, because the league has expanded significantly, um, adding St. Louis this year, the expansion fee for St. Louis which is the 29th team in the league, um, was reportedly $200 million. It's got up a little. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> now, there, there's some others. Inflation. Yeah, I mean, like, there, there there are a bunch of other teams that they're looking at. They're going to continue to expand. Um, but, uh, yeah, $7 million in 2004, $200 million in 2023. That's a huge disparity. And that tells you... How successful the league's become, how much it's grown. That you know, go from seven million to. I mean, it's not even it's not even comparable, right? I mean, you're you're talking like two percent uh, of the fee now. <coughs> it's crazy. Okay, so continue with your history. Okay, so let's go <clears throat> jump to 2018. That's when we opened the training center at a cost of 78 million dollars. Yeah, huge, huge deal. And he also brings. That's when they bring in the monarchs. Mm-hmm. And give the Monarchs their own field to play on. Because prior to this, the USL existed, but most of the Major League Soccer teams had what were called reserve squads. And Major League Soccer basically bought USL during this time frame. Essentially, they they invested in it and they said all the Major League Soccer teams need another club that they have an affiliation with. So that um, – because we're, we're doing away with the reserve league. So your guys won't be able to get game time outside of the club unless you do this. So 2019, we see some upheavals. Uh, <laughs> Nick Ramondo and Tony Beltran retire. Uh-huh. And then, uh, let's see. You skipped over um, Beckerman's retirement. Beckerman didn't retire in 2019. Oh, that's right. Beckerman retired a couple years ago. And then we have the issue between the coach and the officials during the so, 2019 yeah. okay. League Cup. So, Kassar, um, Kassar loses his job. And like I said, they brought Petke in for the Monarchs, but everyone kind of had the assumption that they're bringing this guy in, Mike Petke, who had coached at the major league soccer level, who had taken the Red Bulls to a cup. 
Uh, everyone kind of assumed he's the de facto guy for the job. So when Kassar gets canned halfway through the season, they move Pat Key up. Everyone kind of knew that's what was going to happen. Pat Key was, is a very fiery guy. Um, and during a, uh, a, a, a different competition, not major league soccer, it was a, an international competition. Um, he gets pretty livid, um, really insane with the refs. Um, like takes time to not only berate the ref on the field and get a red card and he's calling him a puta. Um, but as the officials are coming back to the locker room, he's standing in the hall with a fucking sign directed at the refs. Like not, not a good look for Petkey. So Petkey, you know, has a public apology, gets suspended by the league. Ownership eventually fires him. This is over the course of just a couple of weeks. Uh, following that, um, they promote, um, was it Pablo right after Pecky? No, 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 no. There it was, somebody. um, what the fuck's his name? He's up in Seattle now. Uh, I can't remember. I don't know, but that's why Albert went there. Um, was that Freddie Juarez? Yeah. Yes. Fre- Freddie Juarez, who was an assistant coach and he had been with the academy for a long time. So he knew a lot of the players. RSL has a, a, a lot of academy kids that play for us. So anyway, um, so at, at this point, um, Juarez takes over. Freddie Juarez takes over. Um, the locker room's really crazy. Um, and basically on the back of Petkey getting fired, all this, all this stuff starts coming out that Deloy Hansen is a fucking racist piece of shit and is, and is like a serious problem for the club, right? So he's brought the Royals in the National Women's Soccer League. He basically saves the National Women's Soccer League, by the way, bringing the Kansas team to, to Salt Lake and giving them a home. He infuses a bunch of cash into that league, which keeps it afloat. So he did some good there. But so Deloy Hansen basically ends up stepping down publicly. Then all this shit comes out about the front office. And the front office is a bunch of misogynistic pieces of shit. Like there are emails that come to light that are like, uh, yeah, don't put this player on, even though she's one of the best players in the world, don't put her on the billboards because she's not hot enough. Mm-hmm. Like that's the kind of shit that was going on. So the whole front office gets cleaned out. Um, Deloy Hansen, um, the league does an investigation. I mean, the stuff comes to light that like Deloy Hansen's on the field in Dallas after a game and says, when are we going to lynch this kid up? about a black player that was really good, that was beating us. Like, that's fucking insane. So MLS is a league that's really, like, you can't do any of that shit. Like, if you do that stuff, they are very you're, you're inclusive. out. Well, and the whole thing is, is that's that's three-quarters of the players are ethnic of some sort. Oh, yeah. Or another. Oh, yeah. Or so, I mean, it's, it's... So all this comes out, the league strips him of ownership and says, you have to sell the team. Again, goes back to what I was saying early on. They say you have to sell the team. So he goes through this whole process of We lose the Royals. Yeah, we lose the Royals. Um he goes through a process of of selling the team. Now it's a really messy sell because all these things that he's built are all under the Utah Soccer um I don't remember what it's called. Utah Soccer, I think is what it's called, but there's there's an overarching thing. But he also owns these different real estate places. The the team leases from him from him because he's a like real estate mogul. The academy. So like the the apartments for the academy kids, like the Zions Bank State. So they I think have the to, parking adjacent to the academy, there was like an additional parking lot and I think he owned that. So they have to like untangle all this web and these contracts of the stuff that he owns, 
next to the facilities of the team that the team leases that like, it's not like they can buy that at, at like, they have to untangle all that and figure that out. So he can't sell it on his own. So the league says you have until this date. If you can't sell it, we're taking over. We're selling it. So the league ends up taking over. So for the last couple of years, um, the league has owned the team, which means we're very restricted budget wise. Um, we can't do a lot. Uh, Freddie Juarez leaves Real Salt Lake as a head coach to go be an assistant coach with Seattle. Um, then we get, um, we Pablo, Beckerman. we get Pablo Mestroini. Um, Beckerman does retire, but Beckerman's old, so that makes sense. But yeah, but he was, he, I think he was the last little bit of glue that was. Yeah, kind of so, holding the club together. So we we lose Beckerman. The team's been rebuilding. Um, Mastro a great coach system. Yeah. And then last year, uh, the sale is announced um, to um, Ryan Smith. Um, but you know the, the the bigger one is is Blitzer, right? So um, he owns several other soccer clubs uh, around the world. He's a big uh, big soccer guy. David Blitzer is. Um, Ryan Smith's a pretty small share owner, but because of his purchase of the Jazz, you know he owns Qualtrics, which by the way is Qualtrics is selling for like an obscene amount of money, like billions of dollars to a venture capital firm right now. So. <laughs> He's also going to be getting a lot of money from that. Um, but it's really good because those guys are both sports guys. You've got Ryan Smith that is a, a local sports guy. And I think we've talked about this on the show over the years. Um, I think it's a good ownership group for the team. You have a really like a, a known entity and a soccer guy with a blitzer. He knows how to run soccer clubs. And you've got a guy that's tied to Utah. So you get that mix and you can you can make a successful club. Which is a huge change because remember when we started out with check it's, we had soccer people, had sports, sports people. Guy. Then it, when it went to Deloitte, <clears throat> Deloitte's a businessman. And he while soccer is like a business, business, the the way that you get... He didn't want to pay for players. And yeah. he would try to get players and say, okay, well, I'll pay you this much, but I'll also uh, let you live in this house. Or I'll own. give you this thing or whatever. And so the the negotiations were always hampered by Deloitte's unwillingness to spend big money on a player because he didn't understand when you spend four million dollars on a player and that player you get scores a four million dollar player that player scores 20 goals in a season you do better as a team you sell a lot of shit so um attendance was way down uh, season ticket ownership really tanked a lot of people gave up their tickets because they didn't want to support the ownership group when when Deloy was there um i mean that, it got really bad for a while um and now with Dave Blitzer and Ryan Smith, last year every game sold out on paper. There were clearly games that were not sold out, but um, I think this year we're in for similar stuff as long as the team does okay. Um, I'm pretty sure it was a sold-out crowd last last night, or not last night, this last weekend when we went for the home opener because um, I don't feel like there were empty seats nearby uh, anywhere once the game got going, and the crowd didn't even arrive as late as normal, so... It was pretty packed. <clears throat> All right, so we'll take a break real quick. So we'll talk about the whole experience. So I've talked about the first home game of the season. There's always a homebrew competition. One of the supporter groups, Section 26, always does a homebrew competition the first game of the season. Now they've had to take a break for a couple of years because of COVID, but this year they were able to have it with plenty of planning time and everything else. What would you think of the homebrew competition? Overall, I thought it was really cool. 
It's a lot of beers. There were probably five, like two dozen. Five bucks, gotcha. A glass and pretty much all the beer you, you can You drink. can take a second and like <clears throat> sorry get yourself like figured out. I think you missed swallowed his Perrier. No, my <clears throat> allergies have flared up this last year. Because the grass yeah. is exposed now. You wanna want a tissue here, buddy? Um, okay. So yeah, um, yeah. Well we actually have grass again and Yeah. So we um anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so we you go. It's five bucks to get a glass. They sell shirts and beanies or scarves and beanies. I don't know. I always just get the glass. I got a bunch of them. Uh, and then you walk around. They give you a ticket to vote, and you walk around and you try as many beers as you want, and um, you vote some on the best one. Some of them give you a couple inches. Some of them fill your glass about half full. <laughs> yeah, half full is a bit much for the initial tasting, but that I think sometimes that is because they want more people to vote for them, but. If they fill your glass half full and the beer's not great, that's not like I feel bad pouring it out, but I will pour it out. We had a couple, really only a couple that weren't that great. I think most of them were decent. Yeah, but there were a couple that were amazing. And I mean, you see, there were a couple guys there that had two or three trophies from winning, and so they they do a, like trophies and stuff like they that. Have for like, people that win. So they have like a, a first, second, third place box of stuff that you get when you win one of them is like the trophy i think some people had like retrofitted them to be um what do you call them taps taps so like it, it was kind of cool to see all yeah. of that stuff. yeah i don't think they retrofitted them i think they were actually taps oh are they yeah um so the beers that won uh, i'll let you know because you probably have no idea who won did you find it i put it on the yes thing. i saw that you posted <laughs> it so um so uh cory schaefer and walter scott Took first place with Tropical Beach Vacation. I don't think we tried that I one. I think we tried that one. Was that one next to the peach one that I we don't tried? Know, but or so the Peach Pale Ale from Kristen First actually won second place, and that was pretty good. That one was decent. Uh, Erica Stepp won third place with the Dark Chocolate Milk Stout, and that was really good. They made their own chocolate infused vodka that they mixed in yep. with this beer, um, <clears throat> which I thought was really great. Uh, it is worth mentioning our favorite beer did not win. Uh, Steve first made a uh, uh, vanilla coffee cream ale, which that is was just so smooth, amazingly good. So it good. was so much flavor in that beer. Um, that was actually Nick Ramondo's choice. So they have three guest judges as well that all have picks. Uh, Nick Ramondo was down. I don't think we saw him because you know we didn't stay down that long. But. I would compare that one to the eight hundred one that small batch coffee eight hundred one. Yeah, this one was had so it had notes of vanilla and cinnamon. And so it was to me much more of a like a holiday ale almost. It was but so it was good. I'd really pay money good. for that. I'd buy that. Yeah, hands down. So it's fun. Um, it's really busy uh, in the tailgate lot uh, around that stuff. Um, but it's worth. They it. They had a really horrible band. I I, I say that kind of sadly because they, they had, was kids. They had School of Rock playing, and if you've ever listened to School of Rock, it's little kids. That go to a band camp. But that, like musically, like instrumentally, they, they the were songs. great. Like you could recognize it. every single Their one. Their sound guy was terrible because he had the he had the mics turned way too high and the kids don't know how to work with mics yet. That poor lead singer, if he was the best they've got, that was sad. Well, they had a bunch of They had a bunch of singing. kids. Singing. Yeah, there was oh, it's not just one yeah. band. They all it is bad. You gotta understand the school of rock thing is not just one band. It's a bunch of kids that play certain songs and they switch in and out a lot of yeah. times. So But as far as the songs go they played all kinds of stuff, Nirvana, Metallica, ACDC, and you you could tell exactly what the song was. Until they started singing. It's Musically, <laughs> it sounded great, but yeah, the singing was a little on the rough side. Okay, yeah. so now let's switch gears. So yeah. then we go to the game. 
Um, what'd you think about the entry into the like pregame area in the, the big open area? The way they have it open is, is a lot nicer. So it's been, well, it's pre-COVID is when I went with you. I can't remember. It's probably 2018 ish when I went with you, Chris, pre, I don't remember where you were. Oh, I was probably gone somewhere. Somewhere. So I, I went with Chris and that was back before that whole outside part was, was considered part of the field. So you'd enter at the gate, but. Some of the things that were a little strange is if you got a drink on the outside, you couldn't carry it inside. Well, they didn't even let you get drinks on the outside for a while, like out in the open area. The then common they, area. Then they introduced food trucks, and they figured out a way to do drinks. They, they originally tried to have grass out there, which never worked because you have a bunch of people tramping all over it. So they yeah. they put in AstroTurf. AstroTurf. They fenced it all off. They moved the gates so that you you come in right, like, so right security. inside security of it. is at the iron gates on the outside of the stadium which opens up that huge area for people to wander um the security now they have the magnometers so it's a lot easier to walk through you can walk through with your phone in your pocket your keys in your pocket it was, it was nice that. and then they had games and they had the kids dance off and the vendor fun. stuff yeah and the dj and the, yeah all the food trucks and and so a, a big improvement yeah, and I think that has actually improved people getting into the game on time because they've had big issues, especially at that gate, of it taking too long for people to get into the gates. And I think that's helped a lot, like gives, making those changes. Well, it gives you enough of an incentive to show up 30, 40 minutes early because you can go to the store, you can check out the stuff, go see the vendors, do the food truck, and then not – not before, there was not a whole lot of reason to be there before. Yeah. Except for Chris and I always go an hour before. I like to watch warm-ups. So if I get to watch warm-ups, that's, that's what I try to get there for. So, so I can... also noticed a huge improvement in the food. Yeah. Yeah, that has improved dramatically over the last two years. Um, the food used to be inedible. Like they they would have like one vendor that would come in and make stuff like Cup Bop used to be inside uh, for a little while, and it was great, but... You know, talking to those guys to be a vendor inside the stadium is quite expensive. They have to raise their prices. They have to give a huge yeah. chunk of money back to the stadium. So it's not, it's not, it's not great for them. But, um, I usually do walk around and find, uh, whatever's new, but they've got really decent food selections other than R&R barbecue being in there, which hopefully their contract runs out because that place sucks. Um, so, I mean, we did the usuals because it's a game. We got the pretzels and Jonathan got a hot dog and I got a beer and we got, some churros and and it was all really good, but they didn't have any of that stuff. Like no, the, the last game. No, nah, they didn't. I mean, they they used to have just absolutely god awful concessions. So that was a huge improvement. And then I also noticed the lighting, huge improvement with the lighting. That's new this year. So that was phenomenal. For lighting. those of you that didn't see the game, um, it is very different. So there's still the stadium lights, which is normal, but they have added a ton of lighting into the eaves. And when goals are scored at the the team entrance. They drop the stadium lights. They throw up all the red lights. It totally creates this atmosphere in the stadium. So go, go to our uh, Insta. I had Julia post the riot song. Oh uh, yeah, the, the the anthem. Them actually singing it, and and all the lights are going. And you go check that out. You'll get a, a little glimpse of what it was. But yeah, huge, huge, huge improvement. <clears throat> yeah, I mean we had. A seat here and there that was empty around us, but not like yeah, yeah it sections. Was, well, it be, you can't just buy like one seat either. Like you have to always buy two, and so you don't have to. There are single seats available. Are there? Well, there no, 
are there they? always single seats available. No, well, not, I not shouldn't that say any, that. They, they prefer that you buy them yeah. in pairs, and they typically won't sell you a single seat if it's going to break up a pair. That's kind of what if I If there's meant. a single seat nearby. That's kind of what I meant. So um, not that anybody listening to this would know, but I got a good shot of you guys waving your flag. <laughs> of just the flag, I'm yeah. guessing? Yeah. yeah well, yeah. Because we were uh, 10, 12 rows behind. And then over just a little bit, close enough that we could well, see. Well, we were you. F and you were Y, however far But we could see is. you guys perfectly from our seats. I'm sure you guys could see we us. We couldn't see you. Yeah, it's about 20 rows, and we can't see you because our section stands. So oh. There's no way we could see you during the game. Yeah, we could see you, but you're flat because it's so tall. So, no, all of those improvements, like, I noticed a huge difference from the last time that I was there, which was just before COVID. Um, huge improvements. They've done a lot. Um they have officially, I, I think they've changed up their sound system. They've been talking about doing it. So I think that they have because it's not staticky, but now it's not set right. And so it just echoes back at you. So they've got giant banks of speakers hanging now from the, the, the area, um, replacing the old blown ones, but they're, they haven't programmed it well. Like, like I was telling Bree, they really need to plug in a delay so that they fire at the same time because it sounds like, one side fires and then the other, and it's not acoustically sound, so you get an echo in most uh, of the stadium. With the slightest delay between things, it sounds a little wonky. And and there's a couple ways to do it. I won't get into it, but they need to fix that. And I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. There's only so much you can do in like a three and a half, four month off season time frame. But like the, it's really tough. The lighting that was spectacular. Well, and the TVs are different from when I was there. Did but, they not have the big monitor? No. Nope. Okay, so, so you were there. You were there long before 2018, buddy. That big screen has been there for a while. Is it? On yeah, the last time end. I was there, I, mean, I don't know, maybe. Because yeah. why don't we do Frank's thing? I don't know. I don't I don't feel like it's been there that long. I think Frank's thing was 2019. I can't remember. Anyway. <clears throat> but yeah, the big screen is nice to have up on the south end of the... 2015 oh, was wow. when uh, okay. the, the, the screen went well, up. So. so then, yeah, I would have been there. It's been the there for a while. Um, but then the smoke and I mean just some of the effects. Yeah, that they so they have pyrotechnics. Smoke and pyrotechnics were new last year when with the new ownership because they get sports. And if you watch soccer games at other stadiums when the home team comes in, there's always a big thing. There was never anything when Royale came. So a lot of a lot of good improvements. They also the, over this last off season, the south end zone, uh, south end zone, the south stands. Uh, you may not have noticed, but they are all standing now. And so basically where standing. you were sitting for Frank's up, they're yeah, all standing. All standing. <laughs> um, the lower part, the upper part still assigns like has actual seats, well, but the, the lower part's <clears throat> GA and it's all standing. And so they have proper rails now. Uh, they That's don't have the drum guys were, right? Yep. They okay. don't have any seats in those areas. It's just railing and, and essentially like bleacher style stadium. Uh, standing and it's something that most soccer stadiums as they're built now create them like Kansas City, Austin. They have these vertical walls on one of the, one of the, uh, like usually on the north or the south end, like behind the goal. It's where their supporters go. And it's basically a vertical wall of people. You can fit more people in there and those groups all stand the whole game anyway. And so there's no point in having seats there. Is soccer the only sport where the, the fans stand? Uh, I don't know. Probably. Everyone else is lazy and fat in America. But like, you know, we, we stand and chant in our section yeah, as well. I don't think there's a lot of chanting in other sports either. Like most sports have different, 
um, <clears throat> things that they do, like traditions. Like, you know, you have like the seventh inning stretch for baseball where they always sing the stupid song. Um, and a lot of times they have – Hockey like, has things that they chant, but not – like if you like for instance uh if you go to like a, during a score or something. if you go to a denver football game and the opposing team has an incomplete pass the entire stadium yells incomplete like it's it's really cool but like they don't they're not doing a lot of chants i mean you'll hear like a defense chant and stuff but not the kind of chants that you hear at soccer that they're that are rehearsed and everything else so i think that that's actually what made me like soccer as opposed to other sports like i'll kind of watch other sports but there is crowd participation in a way like we're not obviously down on the field or anything, but like you're 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 yelling for the players, you're cheering for them, you're all chanting like I don't know if you could see us when 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 we first like kind of started to come in, but as people came in, you know people that you haven't see seen that you don't really get together outside like you come in and you hug and you talk and you leave your stuff in their care because. No one's going to bother it because... Sometimes we leave kids in each other's care. Yeah. Like, seriously. Like, <laughs> we'll just be like, hey, I got to go to the bathroom and the kids don't want to go or I'm going to go get a beer and they leave their kids and we all sit there and watch them. Like, it's just, it's just kind of how it works. And I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that in any other sport. And I think that that's really why I really love it. And, and the club, the clubs themselves are very, very inclusive. Like, they, they are LGBTQIA friendly. They make statements before every game about, you know, you're, you, you can't be racist, basically. Like they are, they're an everyone's game. You see, you, you see all the way from like the businessman in a three piece suit to us, you know, in all of our regalia to someone in their sweats. Like there's poor people and rich people. Like everybody goes and everybody's accepted nobody's like oh what is that like brandon uh what's his flip from rancid brandon steinekert from rancid is in our section three what i guess it's not three it's five five or six rows down like just comes in like there he is in the same section that we're in so it's it's awesome so as a as a one-time um soccer fan like you just go to a game every once in a while what are your overall thoughts of RSL as a sports team and as a sporting organization? I I've, I see huge improvement from the couple of games I've been to. It's really a it's very family oriented. I like that. I mean, it's something you could take the whole family to, have a good time. There's something for everybody. You go early. There's things for the kids. There's the food. There's it's it's definitely your kids aren't little anymore. At halftime, yeah. uh, at halftime, you'll see if you go to a game now, all the little kids run out to the outside of the stadium to the front lawn because they do games and stuff for kids during halftime and Dance give stuff away. Stuff. So some of the people that normally are in our section kind of weren't the, they they have little kids and they'll be like, we're going out there, and then they come back with all of this swag and stuff, and it's yeah. it's fun. It's it's fun. It's de- it's definitely. Make a whole evening out of it. Um, yeah, I think that's it. There's a lot of stuff. I think that was one of the most passionate adventures besides the capital one that we just did, which we were also very passionate <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, I'm a huge soccer fan. I thought, I thought, you know, we went to a Grizzlies game. Why shouldn't we go to a soccer game? And, yeah. You know, the homebrew competition is a good reason, a Do good we excuse. Have to go to a baseball game. 
I think we should. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> I hate baseball so much. Can we watch soccer while we're at the baseball we'll game? Go, okay, we'll go when they open the new stadium. Oh, that's a good idea. In a few, in a years. few years. <laughs> Who knows? We might go to a bees game. Basketball is um, the one I would if if we got free tickets, I'd go, but I wouldn't pay money to go to a basketball game. <laughs> Same. The jazz games are fun to go to. I've been to a few. So when I used to work for the hospital association, they had uh, season tickets behind one of the goals. And if they didn't give them away behind to somebody. A goal. Yeah. In basketball. Their goals, too. Basket? No. Their goals. They're not called goals. Whatever. <laughs> they, we, they had seats like, I think, like 10, 10 12 rows up. That we used to get every once in a while, and that was kind of fun. But yeah, back when my dad's company had suites, the I'd go yeah. to those because I'd get in free. But it was fully open. Oh yeah, you got you got everything. Food, you go so like, there. absolutely go to one of those. What the hell's wrong with your arm, Julie? <laughs> it looks like it's like the way you had it. it, like it <laughs> yeah, I broke my elbow when I was a kid, and they pinned it together. It around. looked like it was like um, hyperextended. Yeah, it does. Oh, it, it does bend backwards. Yeah, it's just, do that. just wonky. So <laughs> just reaching for some goldfish. So I would definitely say two thumbs up. It's totally worth going. You should definitely go. It's not a goal. No one ever calls it a goal. I googled it. It is a basket. It is a hoop. Can also be called the goal or hoop. No one calls it a goal. Unless they don't know basketball. Goal. That's like calling the pitch a field. It's like calling the uniform or calling the kit a uniform. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. Don't do it. Goal. Uh, All right. (laughs) Nope. Julia, I'm reading it. This is is my job now. You leave us for too many days at a time. So this is my job now. He's actually been really enjoying this. In order to love, which is fucked up because this is your Chris is not into this stuff. Well, this, these are better, I think, He's than I thought they were. Life. I didn't like these at first, but I think the more of them I read, the more I like them. We just picked a couple of weird ones at the beginning. In order to love who you are, you can't hate the experiences that shaped you. That's actually really uh, true. Anything truly cool about you was created from your li- the life you've lived. Remember that when you start to wind down the, the, the shame spiral. No time is wasted. No love is wasted. No fears are wasted. No breath is wasted. You being you is important, and every single thing that made you is of value. Tell shame to suck it. Now, I do agree that um, you can't hate experiences that shaped you, but you can be shame, ashamed of dumbass shit that you do. Absolutely. You can be ashamed and not hate it. So I don't know if I agree with the uh, full bit well, on the If you're ashamed, back, that means but... you learned a lesson usually. Yeah. Yeah. And you understand that you learned a lesson, but uh, yeah, no, you could be, if you take your wiener out and run across the soccer field, you can be ashamed wow. of being a dumbass is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, you, that certainly can shape you because you're probably going to jail, by the way, if you do that. Oh yeah. While we were there, uh, when we went over to see how the gates were doing, um, there was a, a can on yeah. the field and I I said, oops, somebody's going to get some cameras looking at who threw yeah, that can. Word of warning, don't throw anything on the field. Every inch of that stadium. <gasps> you said you can't call the pitch a field. Uh, every inch of that stadium is under camera, <sighs> and you can't see them, but they can see you. And mark my words, if you throw anything onto the pitch, they will find you in a matter of seconds. They're like Santa Claus. It doesn't take them long. They if everything. the security guy out real if quick. the security if guy standing in front of your section at the bottom doesn't see it, they will look for it on the camera. They will find you and you will have police officers banned. standing at the end of your row within probably 
two to three minutes and they will kick you Fun. out of the stadium and you will ban- be banned for life. So just don't do it. Don't fucking do it. Yeah. And if you're, if you're really drunk and you're doing something stupid in the stands, they'll also send people down to talk to you. And if you're, if your section doesn't think that you did something wrong, then they chant for you. Like they root for you. Like bring him back. If they think you're dumb, they won't do it. But yeah, they'll cheer when you get your ass taken away. If you're, <laughs> yeah, but if, but if, if maybe somebody dumb reported you or maybe whatever you did wasn't what they thought it was or whatever, then they, we, we will all chant to, to get you back into the section. So hopefully, well, hopefully you like that. Um, let us know. Um, reach out to us on social media at TNU podcast everywhere. Um, we would love to hear from you what you think about our adventures. If you think they're stupid or we should do something different or talk about, yeah, if you have stuff. an idea for an adventure, email us, message us. Um, yeah. Julia, Jeremy, Chris will look at the social media. I'll look at the email. We're happy to, uh, we're happy to try new stuff. We're, we're all big fans and, um, you can go to our website, thenewutah.com. There's tons of pictures from that capital, uh, trip last month. Uh, tons. Like the whole, like the blog is insanely big. Um, but, uh, there's also, you know, brief stuff about different things. We're all caught up. And, um, uh, hopefully we're all caught up. You don't know that. I do. As of, as as oh, of two weeks true. ago, <laughs> so we'll we'll hopefully we're caught up, or we are definitely caught up. And Bree's going to hold herself to that. It's Maybe. her fault if we're not. So uh, anyway, go to RSL game. There's lots of them uh, in the 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 season. You can go to RSL dot com uh, and click on tickets, or you can go through SeatGeek, which is the official ticket um, vendor for RSL. And the cool thing about SeatGeek is you can get them straight from the club there, or you can get resell tickets from SeatGeek. Um, and, um, you can pick wherever you want to sit. And I think last year they did, um, like partial season packages too, where you buy like, and you can still get six se- games. You can still get season tickets. Uh, you can go talk to them. Um, if they it seemed like they still had them available, they still had, um, salespeople for them and they'll put you on a list if they fill up anyway, a waiting list for if anyone drops their season tickets. But if you've ever been interested in it, I highly recommend doing it now because, if the team has success and they continue to sell out the uh, the seasons, the prices will go up and getting a season ticket will become more and more difficult. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed the show and uh, go see an RSL game.